there, you're listening to the Park Rush Podcast. This is a theme park podcast. I'm Tom, and joining me as ever is Josh. Hello there. Hello there, Josh. How's it going? Very good, thank you. Yourself? I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad. I'd like to apologise in advance, or maybe, maybe this is a good thing. I don't know, but I've got my slightly wintry have i just smoked 40 fags croaky voice this week uh, hopefully it survives the runtime of this week's podcast i'm sure it'll be fine i'm sure i'm sure we'll get through this perfectly as always josh as always yeah. uh, we are going to take a break this week from our run of florida trip reports we have two left to do which are Hollywood Studios and Epcot. But this week we're going to talk about a more recent visit that we both took together to the Disney 100 exhibition at the Excel Center, which as of recording, we did mere days ago and have already forgotten quite a lot of detail about it. So we thought, well, we'd better do it now because if we try to do this in a few weeks time, there's a very good chance that it'll be too late. Yeah. However, there is one thing that I and my croaky voice wanted to ask of our listeners before we started. Now, this week, Josh, Spotify Wrapped came out. Uh, what was your Spotify Wrapped, by the way, Josh? What, how did that look for you? Um, it didn't because I'm one of those folk who are actually using Apple Music, so I got a uh. rewind. My rewind looked exactly the same as my playlist that I listen to all the time. I see. Yeah. I see. Did, did Apple do a, a podcast rewind? Um, I don't know. I, and I also wouldn't know. I don't use Apple oh. for podcasts either. I use Overcast. Uh, do, do they? Do they do something? Uh, they don't know. Oh, well, alas. Well, you can probably tell where I'm going with this. Spotify Wrapped out this week does provide insight into your podcast habits. We found out this week, to my total shock, mind. that we are a top 10 podcast for 68 people. We're a, Huge. We're a top five podcast for 43 people. And we are a number one podcast for 13 crazy people out there. I don't quite understand it, to be honest. If you are one of them, prove to us that you're out there. Get in touch. I want to know. Send us an email. We only ever get emails from Mr. Ben, who I have to assume is one of the 13. If, if he's not, then what on earth is going on? Uh, and, and like Google, you know, saying, hey, Park Rush Podcast, uh, you've got a subscriber on YouTube or something like that. But that's basically all the emails we get, right? So yeah, it would be yeah. nice to get some more emails from some of these 13 or 43 or 68 fans. Um, I feel like we got a voice message at some point uh, in the past couple of weeks, but I cannot find it on the Anchor app, or what do they call it now, Spotify for podcasters. I can't find it on there, on the app or on the website. Um, so... If you have done that, thank you. I don't know where it is. I can't find it. I'm sorry. Uh, that, that's news to me. I have seen no evidence of a voice message of any description. So if that did happen, it's clearly been lost and may maybe that needs to be sent again. But yeah, there we are. 
news to me, truly shocking news to me that uh, there are people out there who listen to the podcast on the regular. Anyway, let's crack on then with Disney 100, the exhibition, which, as I say, is at the Excel Center at the moment until the 21st of January. As the name would suggest, this is an exhibition celebrating the 100th anniversary of the Walt Disney Company. It's also running in Chicago and in Kansas City over in the US of A. Uh, so similarly to the uh, Jurassic World exhibition that we went to at the XL last year, which I think was also running in Chicago and maybe somewhere else at the time. Maybe that was also Kansas City. Maybe it's the same company that runs these things i yeah. don't know and uh, i think it's going to move on afterwards right so it's in london now it's going to go to somewhere in europe after london um uh, and then the chicago and the kansas city ones are going to move to different cities in the u.s as well i see i see i see that are running simultaneously right 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 well we of course felt obligated to go especially given that there was the promise of some theme park memorabilia and, and pieces of theme park history at this thing. You uh, were, were the planner, the booker. Yep. Uh, how did that all work? How can people get tickets? How much did they cost? That sort of thing. Give people the hot deets, especially with, you know, the Christmas holidays coming up. This could be something that, that families may want to check out. Absolutely. So uh, in London, I think it is exclusively available via Fever. Um, which is a I'd never heard of them before. I think you said you used it for Jurassic Park as well, Tom. Um, but they do seemingly exhibition event style things that aren't you know musical events, but are kind of you know this sort of next tier sort of events. Um, so you can I think it's called feverup.com. Uh, they also have an app that you can download. Uh, they are not a sponsor, just to clarify. Um, Prices vary depending on what day of the week you are going. Uh, the weekend is your most expensive days, so that's 28 quid, other than Christmas Eve where it's £33. Um, but then midweek, so like Monday through Thursday, you're talking uh, as low as £21. And you got there's different deals, so if you're so charge, you know, children are cheaper, they're like 1650 Um you get a group bundle, there's a family bundle, uh, you can get discounts for you know, student, NHS, that sort of thing. Uh, there were also VIP tickets, but they seem are seemingly sold out for every day. Oh. Um, and, but for being a VIP, if you get a VIP ticket, that includes flexible admission, so you can go kind of whatever time you want on that day. Uh, you get a branded and laminated lanyard. Oh. Fancy. A soft drink. From the bar, <laughs> the the bar was really ropey. <laughs> it was so bad. I don't, bar. I, I don't recall seeing a bar. Where was yes. the bar? Do, do you know the door where we exited out of, right at the very end? Yes, uh, sort of, uh, so it looked like a fire escape. To be honest, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was next to that. <laughs> <laughs> I have no memory of this whatsoever. I'll take yeah. your word for it. It was pretty awful. Um, the, you get a Disney one hundred bottle holder. Okay. Um, a unique collectible Disney 100, the exhibition silver pin. Oh. Yeah. And, and an eight, 18 by 9 exclusive collectible print of Asher from the new forthcoming Wish movie. Well, not forthcoming anymore, uh, but from the <sighs> new Wish, Disney Wish movie, which is uh, I, awful. 
I, I wish it was still forthcoming so that, or, or, and, and forever, just a forever forthcoming film that we can project our hopes and dreams and, and wishes onto Josh, because that yeah. would be better than the reality of seeing the film and realising that it is thoroughly underwhelming in every single way. Yeah, there is a different Disney wish coming out, which is the uh, one of the new cruise ships. I think I would have rather watched an hour and a half of footage of the cruise ship than that film, but... Uh, yeah, that's just me. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Well, uh, yeah, that seems like a pretty good rundown of of everything. Uh, it, maybe it's a bit kind of local. I don't know, but uh, obviously, with it being at the XL, I would say uh, is very well connected, very easy to get to. If you are obviously in London, but you know, if you're on the outskirts too, you can uh, get in there on the what the DLR and the Elizabeth Line, and yeah, and uh, it's open ten till six Monday to Thursday, nine till seven on a Friday, nine till eight on a Saturday and nine to five on a Sunday. I think they've got extended Christmas hours as well. Oh, very nice. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, it's also worth noting that we were able to pretty easily change the date of our booking. So we'd originally booked to go a little bit earlier in November, had to move it. That was no problem at all. So that's good to know as well. And uh, they say uh, that it should take you around about an hour to get through it. Uh, it, it, it's 10 rooms is what they say. Uh, we did get about an hour out of it and then it was artificially extended by my decision to sit in the sort of, uh, well, in the seating area at the end, I guess near this bar that I was completely oblivious to and partake in some colouring in, uh, which uh, was wonderful. The, your seating area, weirdly, was nowhere near the bar still. Oh, was it yeah. Oh, no, you're right. This was near the gift shop. And then you go yeah. through the gift shop and then you get to the weird exit, which I assume is where this bar is that I didn't see. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Right. Okay. Well, I think we can get into the exhibition now. And uh, it begins, Josh, with you being ushered into uh, a room with a, a sort of projector at the front, some screens flanking you, and it basically introduces you to the exhibition, gives you a very r brief rundown of the history of Disney. And I guess the uh, standout feature of this is that there is a sort of hologram uh, of Walt Disney. I mean, it's, it's a Pepper's Ghost effect, really. I remember hearing about this when this exhibition first opened over in the US, you know, the, it was being billed as a as a Walt Disney hologram, and I must admit, I was a little bit underwhelmed by it. It very much felt like the kind of thing I'd seen before, and and I don't yeah. think I'd, I'm not sure I've seen a proper hologram. I guess the closest I've seen because you do get them at like gigs and stuff nowadays, don't you? People have yes. seen like people brought back from the dead as a hologram. Uh, I think that the, pay for those things. It's weird in my view, yes. But I, I think the closest I've got to something like that is the uh, Ray hologram before you go on Rise <laughs> of the Resistance. And to be honest, yeah. I thought that was more impressive than this Walt Disney thing, which looked very much like a Pepper's Ghost that I'd seen many, many times before. But uh, yeah, uh, it's, not, it's not like original footage, is it? It's like sort of deep-faked weirdness going on. It's not like archive footage of Walt. I, yeah, I wasn't sure because it looks. It feels like they've tried to make it look like archive footage at the very least. But it's, mm. I, was like, I, I feel like I would have seen this footage before, uh, and it does. But it does just look like they're showing video on a transparent bit of glass more than a hologram, really. Yeah, it, it's it, it's a little bit underwhelming, to be honest. Uh, but I mean, did yeah. it get you in the mood, Josh? Hearing some. You know, renditions of famous Disney melodies and 
seeing you yeah. know, scenes from films played all around you in this big old room. I like this, this kind of star effect that was going on, the, the, or the, I don't know what it was, it looked like stars, but maybe snow or something. I thought that was quite a cool effect. Um, mm. That's just obviously just lighting, but it, it was kind of the mood was was set. Um, it's sort of inspirational. Um, it all started with a mouse kind of idea, history of Walt himself and how the company started. I think that, you know, it really sets you up f- to dive deeper into the history as you walk through the curtain afterwards. Yes, indeed. Although I suppose the uh, the very beginning of the exhibition proper kind of implies and suggests that it, maybe it didn't all start with a mouse, Josh, because it does, in terms of what it teaches you about Walt, it does, of course, predate the Disney company itself, talks you know a little bit about his childhood, growing up, his very early work on, uh, was it the Sally uh, what are they called? The Sally cartoons or something? I've already forgotten. Yep. This is terrible of me. I should have made notes. And Oswald the Lucky Rabbit, of course, who's someone I, I was familiar with. So, yeah, it, it didn't really, didn't really all start with uh, with a mouse. No, what it started <laughs> with was um, a rabbit in a situation where Walt didn't read his contract properly and so didn't own the rights. And so he yes. got really peeved and decided uh, he'd make a mouse to spite the guy who stole Oswald off of him. Indeed, yes. And in fact, yeah, one of the factoids that had stuck with me from this, because I didn't know this before, was that Oswald actually ended up in the hands of Universal. And then Disney managed to buy him back, you know, decades and decades later. Yeah. And Fairly he is, recently, of course, right? like in the 20... Pretty recently, tens. yeah. I mean, he is since... Because it was a big deal that he showed up in the video game Epic Mickey 2. Uh, which I streamed on the Parkrush YouTube channel course, uh, yeah. way back in the uh, uh, Halcyon days of January 2023, which, uh, well, what fantastic times they were. I had COVID and everything. It was great. <laughs> but yes, you can go and watch that if, you, if you're if you so inclined. I, I actually thought this very early part of the exhibition was some of the more interesting uh, stuff, even though I've completely failed to remember some of the specific details. But I think it's because the remainder of the exhibition very much felt like stuff I'd seen before and in um, and in more compelling and interesting fashion. I mean, as I sort of suggested at the top, uh, there was the promise of theme park memorabilia and whatnot. And, and there is a, a room dedicated to the one of the 10 rooms is dedicated to theme parks. But in that particular room, I wouldn't say I learned or even saw anything that I didn't get out of the Imagineering story, let's say, which I found to be a far more compelling retelling of the history of Disney theme parks and even a slightly more kind of analytical and... um, Critical? Yeah, critical kind of take and look back at the company. Like, you know, clearly, clearly sanitised to an extent, but I think we both agreed when we watched the Imagineering imaginary story that that at least for large chunks of the history of the company that it actually took a, a relatively critical view of it uh, yeah. whereas with this it did feel you know as you, i guess you would expect very sanitized indeed and um i think you know one of the things you said that also kind of stuck with me and it, it sort of applied to the whole exhibition is that it did feel a little bit like this version of it didn't perhaps get the creme de la creme so far as the kind of props and, uh, and and old movie relics and things like that that were on display. It felt a little like they'd cherry pick some things. 
that are like kind of more UK based or you know like Mary Poppins, Winnie the Pooh, that sort of thing. Um, mm. But then for the big you know big branded stuff like your Marvel and your Star Wars, you're getting a sort of B tier of prop really. Yeah, like uh, Scarlett Johansson's suit from the Black Widow movie and Captain Marvel's helmet from Endgame and I think all the Star Wars stuff on show, and, you know, I wasn't necessarily complaining about this because I like the film for the most part, but it was all from The Last Jedi. Yeah. yeah as yeah, I guess you would expect, it was pretty skewed towards the Disney Star Wars releases, which I think fundamentally are just not the Star Wars projects that most people are going to be interested in reading about and seeing memorabilia from in an exhibition. I think it's you know the, the people who care enough about Star Wars to go to an exhibition about it are going to want to see things from the 70s and the 80s, not from the 2010s and, and films that a lot of people don't care for. But, you know, yeah. it, it is what it is. Um, so, a bit of variety yeah, would the- have been nice as well, I think, because like, obviously it was all The Last Jedi where you kind of go, well, actually it would have been good if you're going to do this sort of thing to have something from Rogue One or like if you're going to go purely Disney, Rogue One or Solo or... Uh, mm. Some of the TV shows, the live action stuff, maybe, but but no, it's very much uh, pure mainline Star Wars, specifically Last Jedi. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and it doesn't go into any detail about you know the takeover and doesn't really go into much detail on any of the later stuff on like you know uh, how you know thought behind the creation of certain things or the styling of costumes or anything like that particularly it's just like hey this is a thing from this film um do what you want with it yeah i mean some of the other rumors um that, that come to mind uh there was i liked the room that was kind of about the kind of inspirations for some of the classic disney animations so where they'd look to fairy tales or where they'd look yeah. to myths and legends and you know there was um, some nice background there about the inspirations behind snow white and then moving forward kind of the inspirations behind things like mulan and hercules uh, as a as a child of the 90s and, and early 2000s i did enjoy that there was quite a decent amount of uh, of of memorabilia and, and and old kind of models and and concept art and things from some of those films of that time. There was a fantastic Hercules model, which I was very very taken by. I have to say, and those were the two kind of main rooms as well, were the um, original kind of animation stuff. So um, bits from Mary Poppins, um, and then like different versions of different things like Cinderella or. Um, Beauty and the Beast, that sort of thing. So you've got the different, uh, this is stuff from the animation and this is how we took that into the live action and uh, here's, you know, some concept art from the different versions of live action and the the, um, original and then, like you say, some of the history of how they came to come up with these stories from the original storylines from the Grimm Brothers or whatever. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to read. There are a lot of just panels with writing all over them for you to you know slowly work your way around and and read as we've been talking about there are plenty of you know props although i think from some of the more recent films uh they're perhaps not the ones that you'd really desperately want to see and um, from some of the kind of the star wars and marvel blockbusters uh and then you know i guess predominantly for the kids uh there are quite a lot of um you know, touchscreen displays, interactive touchscreen displays. You had to go with a few of them, Josh. There was uh, there was one that allowed you to kind of flip through 
the different theme parks around the world. And then there was also that one, I think maybe the cooler, one of the cooler ones that we saw was that uh, sort of old kind of Brothers Grimm looking uh, storybook, fairy tale storybook that yeah. you could uh, like physically turn the pages of. And that would be reflected up on a kind of projector on the wall. Yeah, that was good fun, and you could you could read it on the page, or uh, you could read it on the big screen. And as you turn the page, the page would physically or uh, visually turn. You had the animation of the turn on the projector. I thought that was really cool, actually. Um, and there's loads of little things like that. So those, those ones, and you had uh, the game where you had to guess the characters from the colors from the color palette. Oh yeah, uh, which yeah. we were used to that. <laughs> Yeah, we uh, were pretty bad at that. We got a couple. You got a couple absolutely nailed. Jafar, uh, I seem to remember. I got Jafar. Yeah, Robin and, Hood. Uh, Robin Hood, yeah, Robin Hood. I've had Robin Hood on the mind recently, Josh. I mean, I have Robin Hood on the mind a lot. He's a he's an absolute fox, that guy. I mean, he, is. he truly is. Um, I don't bat for both sides, but if I did, uh, <laughs> he's, a, he's a fox. He's up there. Yeah. Um, it's also his big, his big year for him this year, Josh. I think it's the 50th anniversary of Robin Hood, uh, well, the Disney Robin Hood. So there you go. Uh, respect him please yeah uh, there was yeah I, I thought that big uh, the big interactive book that's uh, that's the future of Kindles right there Josh you could have a sort of communal reading experience with something like that that would be fun yeah I'd uh, for it yeah indeed I, I mean I guess look th- as I say there were 10 rooms in here it's it's it felt some of them felt more superfluous than others, and I think it's maybe generous to describe some of them as rooms, to be honest. Uh, but I thought the theme park room was actually one of the better ones, to be fair, which, you know, is quite interesting, I suppose, because obviously the Disney parks do welcome plenty of British guests, but we don't have a Disney park for ourselves. So I was actually quite pleasantly surprised by some of the stuff they had on show here. They had an old uh, It's a Small World uh, doll, which looked incredibly creepy, just kind of stood there not moving. It had strong yeah. kind of Annabelle vibes, to be to be quite honest. I was very excited by the fact that there was a ride vehicle from Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. Josh, I like to think it was the one that my dad convinced me I'd broken the ride by crashing through the wall all those years <laughs> ago. Uh, so that, that was fun. Uh, you couldn't get in it, though. It was uh, There are you know some selfie opportunities uh, dotted around. There was like a nice Encanto backdrop at one point that you could get a photo with and a fairy godmother one. There was a teacup that you could get in and sit in for photos, but you couldn't get in the Mr. Toad car. I think if you could... I would have gone for it. I think I would have asked for a picture with the Mr. Toad car. Yes. What, what, did, um, what did you think of the theme park stuff they had on show? Uh, it was fine. Kind of, it was kind of some old maps, which you kind of, uh, I think you've seen before if you've done uh, kind of uh, One Man's Dream or, you know, things like that. Um, and you've seen renditions of it in books and in Imagineering Story and things like that and i think these are re- these are not the originals these are recreations as you kind of would expect um the the interactive thing that i did that was kind of cool so you can see uh you can look at different areas of the you can look at all the parks you can look at the different areas of the parks there's kind of some interaction uh, some of the differences and that sort of thing Do- again doesn't go into a lot of detail on uh why they came up you know why did they do things in the parks the way they did or why did they go? Why you know? Why is uh, I know the haunted mansion different in different countries? That sort of thing. Um, whereas mm. obviously we got that on Imagineering Story, um, but it was it was interesting to see the different areas, and you can kind of go right. 
that's another park I need to well, like we didn't already know but absolutely nailed down like need to go to Japan need to go to Hong it, Kong yeah I mean if you want to be really reductive about it and we keep referencing the imagining imagineering story this did almost feel like an advert that you have to pay to see and I guess it fundamentally it is but it's actually yeah. quite brazen about it because among the many written panels throughout the exhibition are a lot which just say hey uh, if you want to know more about this, go and watch all this stuff on Disney Plus. <laughs> and that is very much how this felt to me. Like it is the broadest of overviews of a lot uh, of aspects of the history of the company, um, which frankly, if you're that interested in, you would be better served by going and yeah, maybe watching some of this stuff on Disney Plus, or I'm sure there's you know a ton of uh, you know, uh, historical videos you can watch on YouTube or you know, books and, you know, and old articles that you can seek out online and, and you could get a much deeper, you know, look at uh, an insight into the history of, of all aspects of Disney and it would be a, a lot less sanitised than this too. So I think what you're really looking for from something like this to kind of elevate it and make it really worth doing is, you know, how tactile is it? Um, what kind of stuff am I going to be able to see up close? How behind the scenes does it really feel? And yeah, I think as I've kind of insinuated for much of this exhibition, I didn't necessarily feel like I got that much more out of that even than what I've got out of even some of the stuff they do have in the parks, like say One Man's Dream at Hollywood Studios and things like that, or some of the exhibits they've had at Disney Springs in the past. Um, I did think some of the theme park stuff they had on show, as I said, was obviously as a theme park fan, it was it, it, it was always going to appeal to me, but I think as a as a Disney fan too, it, it also stood out compared to some of the let's say movie memorabilia that they had. Uh, you know, you, they had some um, kind of stripped down, skinned animatronics, for example, from Pirates of the Caribbean and Haunted Mansion, which were pretty creepy, uh, but also quite fun to look at. They did have a few like uh, kind of digital puppets as well where theoretically I mean it didn't really work very well but theoretically you go and stand on a spot a designated spot on the ground and there's a screen in front of you with a character on it uh, and yeah. you you are meant to be able to move around and they sort of map your movements to kind of give you a sense of what it might be like to kind of commandeer a theme park character they had a Mickey and a Minnie and a rocket raccoon and it seemed a little bit dodgy I don't know if it was a lighting issue or if it or if maybe the cameras just aren't that great or maybe I'm a weird shape I don't know but it wasn't really <laughs> working for me uh, I don't didn't think work for you me had either. much luck either no I, I, as I keep saying, I think the theme park rooms on balance were the most interesting to me, but I do think that, put it this way, uh, I'm not sure that I would pay up to go on one of those uh, more expensive days that you mentioned at the top. I, I think, what, the 23-ish pounds that we paid for our tickets felt like the most I would want to pay. You know, we got through it in an hour and we did take our time um, I think you could do it in less than that for sure. And uh, yeah, I, I I think I enjoyed it well enough. I'm glad to have gone and seen it. I, I, I'm, I'm not sure that it's, you know, it's, it's quite as in-depth uh, as I would have liked. It's very surface level, very superficial. It's slick, like, don't get me wrong, but... 
it's kind of like the junk food version of what this exhibition could have been. Uh, there's not much meat to it, really. Uh, yeah, I think so. It's a, it's a breadth, not depth kind of exhibition. I, I suppose it made me wish that there was a version of this that was more depth. Like, like you could absolutely make an incredible full-on museum dedicated to Disney. And obviously yeah. a Disney a Disney version of that would, would still have the problem of it being highly sanitised. But I think there is a better version of this experience to be done, even if it remains very sanitised. Um, obviously one that wasn't and that was more independently put together would be the absolute creme de la creme. But I think that even for what it is uh, and, you know, the inevitable limitations that it being literally produced by Disney are going to going to place upon it. I think that this is a little bit uh, lacking, to be honest. So I, I think know what you're getting in for. Uh, I think if you're going as a like a, as a family of four, say, I would definitely try and go on one of those cheaper days if you can, because I think if you're paying for a family of four, you know, of four, well north of thirty pounds a head, I think you're going to probably leave feeling like you maybe been ripped off a little bit. I don't know about you, Josh. But- yeah, I think you know, um, family bundle. Um, which I think is eighteen twenty-five ahead. Um, is it's, it feels it feels a bit steep, uh, and, and I think you know actually it's not particularly interactive for the kids. So I think it's I don't know if they're going to super enjoy it anyway. They just have to enjoy looking at things. I guess that is kind of Disney related um, for them to truly enjoy it. Um, yeah, yeah. I, you know, it's one of the things where, I, don't get me wrong, I enjoyed it. I did enjoy it. Um, but I think it's a bit steep. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think it's steep. I mean, everything is steep <laughs> these days. Well, yeah. But I, yeah, I do yeah. think that for the time it takes to get round it and for the stuff you're going to be able to see and learn. Pay for Disney Plus for a month and watch all of the Disney-based documentaries that are on there. Get a better, better detail of uh, what's going on, I'd say. Yeah, but you know, if they take the uh, the do not cross this line tape away from the Mister Toad car and start letting people get in it, uh, then I change my tune completely. I'll pay whatever you need. <laughs> Let me come back and get a photo. That would be quid. great. Count me in. Hell, yes. Uh, we did get a photo with Walt uh, and Mickey. They have a version yep. of the One Man's Dream. Yeah, it's probably the uh, closest you want to get to. Uh, one man's dream and like the cleanest photo you're going to get of one man's uh, of uh, the partner's statue sorry you know there's nothing nothing blocking your view you can get right up there and uh, in in Walt's face if you really want to yes yes indeed but yeah that is Disney 100 as we say it's running in London until the 21st of January Uh, I'd imagine that there will be lots of interest in it over the Christmas holidays but yeah, I, I I guess even then try and go on a weekday uh, if, if that does get the prices down. Uh, I, I would be interested uh, to see kind of what the differences are in, in the US versions of, of this exhibition. And I guess as well, you know, it did make me kind of, I guess, you know, hungry for maybe a version of this on a grander scale. 
uh, at, at maybe one of the parks or, you know, within one of the resorts, you know, it, it feels like Disney Springs would be a great home for a, for something yeah. like this on a permanent basis. I know you, you have got the, the Hollywood Studios exhibition, which isn't a million miles away from this, although that one is obviously very much more centered on the theme parks than anything else. I think, but, uh, uh, yeah, the old Disney Quest space, if that still existed, I think that would have been a good spot for this sort of Definitely. thing. Definitely. Definitely, yeah. I'm just looking at some of the pictures on the Disney 100 exhibit website and uh, like the, the, the helmets that we saw, uh, mm. They here it looks like they've got um, a Thor helmet um, and um, Star-Lord and Iron Man 1, you know, the coming out of the cave helmet and also oh, yeah. maybe a Black Panther uniform rather than a Black Widow uniform. Uh, it looks like the Chicago one is running until the 28th of January. Oh. Um, and costs, an adult costs 40 bucks, I assume. Uh, tax will be on top of that. They also have group bundles and things like that as well. And the Kansas City one, uh, I can't find. Oh, there it is. Uh, opens in May 2024. Right. So. And just finally, finally, Josh, uh, we, we did mention it earlier that there is a gift shop here. I, I was a little bit underwhelmed, to be honest, by it. I mean, there is some bespoke stuff. There are some hoodies and some T-shirts, um, which, I mean, you know, uh, yeah, have, have Mickey Mouse on them in various guises, and, and they're quite nice. But, uh, you know, they, they could sell these at any time of year in any Disney location and just take the Disney 100 branding off the sleeve. That's generally where the branding was. And then a few other yeah. bits too, like some uh, – they had kind of smaller versions of some of the Disney and Star Wars history books that you see in like Selfridges, for example. I think they Tasha the brand, that brand of book. Uh, that sounds right. Or ta- Tower, something like that. Uh they had some nice Mickey plushies, uh, but a, a good amount of this it, shop was taken up tashin. by very generic Disney. But Tashin, that's it. Um, I've got one behind me, um, one of the big boys. Right. Oh, the history of Mickey Mouse you have, right? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but a good amount of this shop was taken up by generic stuff that you could buy just about anywhere. Uh, yeah. So keep that in mind. The the kind of bespoke hoodies and T-shirts and things kind of ranged from sort of 25 to 30 pounds and then and then the hoodies were, were getting more like 60 quid. So uh, not cheap. You did buy a couple of bits, Josh. Uh, what did you buy? I bought a Disney 100 uh, quiz. It's like, a, you know, you pick a card out, has a question and some answers on it, like multiple choice. Like a quiz, um, you mean? Yes, like a quiz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But not like... Uh, nothing particularly overly fancy like a trivial pursuit or anything like that, just to pick a card out and read it, sort of question and answer sort of quiz. Uh, and also Top Trumps, a Disney 100 Top Trumps. Um, I haven't opened either of them yet. I'm going to keep them till Christmas and then open them and see how we go. Wow. Keep us posted. I will do. And uh, that's, that's Disney 100. Like the exhibition itself, provides a pretty broad and not very detailed uh, take on Disney. We have provided a broad and not very detailed take on Disney 100. Absolutely. It's the only uh, way to what, be. What would you expect from us? Uh, we have 13 number one fans. Uh, and we'll be back next week for them and everyone else who listens to this. Uh, and we will be getting back to our Florida trip reports. As I say, two to go. Epcot yeah. and Hollywood Studios. Don't know which order we're going to do them yet. But they'll be with you over the next 
couple of weeks. Bring back, bring back Tom's mum. Yes, uh, maybe we should get that on t-shirts and sell them. Will people buy yeah. those? Yeah. <laughs> bring back Tom's mum. Now that is a hashtag that I could get behind. Yeah. Uh, mainly because it would mean I wouldn't have to do the podcast myself. Oh boy, bliss. Anyway, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, We will be back next week. In the meantime, do get in touch. That would be great. Podcast at parkrush.com. All the socials are at links.parkrush.com. And, of course, if you have not subscribed yet, you can do so wherever you get your podcasts. We are everywhere. Stay safe and take it easy out there, everyone. Avoid a cold if you can. Wreaks havoc on your voice. I kind of like it. Maybe I'll talk like this all the time. (laughs) Goodbye. See ya.